Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Oh, what a privilege it is to be here this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Giselle. I am from Bayonne, New Jersey. My husband and I decided to be U.S. missionaries and church planters in Bayonne, New Jersey. We started with one family. It was pretty amazing. Uh, Husband, wife, and three kids, me and my husband. And every Sunday, we preached to each other. And it was an incredible thing. We rented a basement at a fellowship hall, had no lights. Right next door was a bar, and it smelled like alcohol every Sunday morning. But we went in, and we believed that God was going to do great things. We went in, and we prayed for all the empty seats that we had set out. Because I had told this family, when you come in in the morning, I want you to set out 50 chairs. And they said, well, Pastor, why 50 chairs? I said, set them out because we're going to pray every Sunday for those empty chairs. And we believe that God is going to do great things. And we began every Sunday preaching to each other, praying for each other, anointing each other, and praying for the empty chairs. A couple of years later, we said, Lord, we need a band. We need a worship team. We were doing YouTube worship. And it was kind of hard to let the spirit flow when the song would cut off at 4 minutes and 25 seconds. Lord, give us a musician, and my husband decided to change his barber. It was pretty amazing, and he changed his barber, and uh, as he was cutting his hair, the, the barber was saying, oh, you know, I've never seen you here. He said, oh, yeah, we're new to town, you know, we're, we're a church planter, and the guy said, oh, wow, I play guitar. He's like, whoa, cool. My wife plays music, too. Why don't you guys get together? Maybe you guys can play together. He was like, yeah, and then all of a sudden, he invited his friend and his friend and his friend, and then next Sunday, we had a full band worshiping the Lord. And the church was now five to like 10. Woo, God is good. And here we were praying and preaching to each other for you. And then we said, Lord, we need a new location. God had been bringing about 20 people now. And it, you know, the, the smell of liquor and the bar and the basement and the low lighting. And we had kids and they had to be out in the cold in the hallway doing children's church and we're like lord please provide another location and boom we got a nice fellowship hall it was nice i had windows and everything we saw the light we still had the kids out in the hallway and and we continued to pray and i said now i need you to put a hundred chairs out Pastor, why? There's only 40 of us. It's okay. Put 100 chairs out because we're going to pray for every empty chair. And we believe that God will bring people and save souls. We were there for a whole year. And this year, Pastor, believe it or not, right before uh, we, it was just December of this year, the YMCA in our area had a theater. It was broken down. And they approached us and they said, hey, would you like to rent this? We could really use this. We could really use the income and you can use the space. And I said, oh, my God, yes. I walked in as this great theater. And it had a couple of rooms in the back for our children's ministry. And I said, my God, this is awesome. It fits 250 people. Yes. We got together. We raised the funds. We fixed up the place. We painted. We put new floors. We got new instruments. We did everything we could possibly do. And we said, Lord, we pray for the empty seats. Today, my husband and I, Victor, we are pastors of Journey Community Church. We're still a small church. We got about 60 to 70 people on a Sunday. 
But God is using the ministry of children's ministry. They finally got their own room, praise the Lord. <laughs> they finally got a place, not in the hallway. It was terrible. They had to wear their coats to have children's church. But God has finally blessed us with a place, but God is not done yet. There's still a hundred and something chairs that need to be filled, and we're believing in God for that. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the prayers, and thank you for the gifts, and we just honor you and your ministry, and we ask that you continue to keep Pastor Victor and I in your prayers and Journey Community Church in Bayonne, New Jersey. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been so blessed by the ministry here. It's such an incredible atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is definitely in this place, and I am so thankful for the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Dave and the pastoral staff, Joelle, my friend. Thank you so much for the opportunity to just be able to have the privilege to speak to you today. Amen? Today, I, I, I want to speak to you on seizing the day. Carpendium, carpendium, seizing the day. And I'll be all over scripture, and I know the uh, faithful media guy up there was like, what's your scripture? I'm like, ugh, I can't really give you one. But uh, let, let's look up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, and it says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. But we're really going to focus on Acts chapter 23 and 24. And it's a great story, and I hope that you listen carefully to the word of the Lord as he speaks into your heart. Can we pray really quick? Father, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you for its leadership. Father, I pray that your word, that it's living, active, and powerful, that it may speak into our minds and our hearts. I pray that we may experience transformation here today, for we don't want to walk out the same way we came in. We want to be filled with your word and your Holy Spirit, oh Lord, and we just want to take and seize the day, oh God, making every, making the most of every opportunity. So I thank you, Lord, for this morning, and I thank you for your word. I hide myself behind you so that you can receive all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Again, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 23 and Acts 24. There's a legend that says that the devil was summoning his evil forces to consider how best they can do to keep to keep uh, the world on his side, to keep strengthening his evil move. And one demon said to Satan, and said, "Hey, send me. I will tell them that there is no God." And Satan replied to that. He said, "That will never work. They will never believe you." Because most of them know that there is a God. And another one said, hey, send me. And I will tell them that there is no heaven or no hell. And the devil looked at them and said, that will never do either. Because they know that there is life after death. Then a third demon spoke and said, send me. And I will tell them that there is a God. 
I will tell them that there's a heaven and a hell, but there is no hurry to decide. At that, Satan said, hmm, that sounds like a good idea. That is the best plan. Go and tell them that there is no hurry to decide. Today, I want to talk to you about carpe diem. It is a Latin phrase that means seize the day. It was first penned by a Roman poet named Horace in his work called Ode. And, and, it, and he talked about how we need to uh, seize the moment, seize the opportunity because the future is unseen. And because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we need to make the best of today and we need to seize the moment. This phrase is actually pretty famous. You can find it on t-shirts and mugs posters. Many motivational speakers use it when they want to motivate their people to seize the opportunity, to seize the day. As a matter of fact, as I was doing the research, I realized that in Hoboken, New Jersey, there's actually a restaurant called Carpe Diem. It's Irish. I hear it's really good. So today I would like for us to take a look at Acts chapter 23 and 24. This is a great story about Paul and a Roman governor by the name of Felix. And uh, to be frank with you, I have never really heard a sermon about Governor Felix in a long time. And, but there's a great teaching that we can gather from this story. And today we're going to compare how Paul made the most of an opportunity and how Felix squandered that opportunity. Again, we're making a comparison of how Paul made most of the opportunity and how Felix squandered the opportunity. Let me give you some historical context before we begin. Antonis Felix he has an incredible story. He was formerly a slave, and then he was promoted by Claudius Caesar to be the governor of uh, uh, Judea and Samaria. He has this rags to riches story where once he was property and now he owns property. It's an incredible story. And he was governor of Judea and Samaria when Paul was one day arrested. He was arrested because he was preaching the gospel and because the mob that had uh, was angry with him because he was preaching the gospel, they planned to kill Paul. And because Paul was a Roman citizen, a Roman commander came to Paul's rescue in the middle of the night. And the Bible tells us in Acts 23 that he brought 200 soldiers to rescue Paul and transport him because he thought that Paul had the right to go before a trial. He didn't want the mob to kill him, so he sends them out to Caesarea to Governor Felix. And Paul arrives in Caesarea, and the commander sends a letter, and the letter says, hey, listen, governor. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Hey, listen, governor, Paul was arrested, and people wanted to kill him, but he is a citizen. And so I believe he has the right to tell his story before you. So when Governor Felix saw Paul, he read the letter realized that his accusers were nowhere to be found. 
His accusers were nowhere in the room. And he said, you know what? Let's put Paul in prison and let's wait for his accusers to come so we can really figure out what's going on here. The Bible says that five days later, a company arrived. It was Ananias, the high priest. There were some Jewish elders and they had hired a high power attorney called Tertullus. And they came before the governor, and it was an amazing thing because the proceedings had began, and Tertullus and the uh, Jewish leaders, they accused Paul of being a troublemaker. (laughs) They said he attempted to desecrate the temple, and that he was causing trouble throughout the town. Once they finished giving their argument, Felix looked at Paul, Paul obviously had no lawyer. He had no attorney. He just stood up quietly, politely. He said, Governor, I don't know what's going on here. Paraphrasing again. I don't know what's happening here. These accusers that are here who are accusing me are not even the ones that were angry with me. They were Jews from Asia. These guys are for Jerusalem. So I don't know what's happening here. They're not present. And I have not been found guilty of any crime in Jerusalem. Well, Felix heard the stories and all the arguments, and he was really familiar with this new sect of Jesus' followers. They call themselves the Way. And he knew who they were, and and he had heard, and he saw that Paul's case was involving really questions of religion and not really a crime that he had committed. So he said, you know what, let's pull Paul back in prison, and let's call the commander who sent them to my way so that he can come and speak and see what's going on. So they put Paul back into prison. And while Paul was in prison waiting for the Roman commander to come, Felix, a few days later, decides to summon Paul into his presence to hear a little bit more about his teachings. Him and his wife, Felix and Drusilla, the Bible says that they listened to Paul as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. But then all of a sudden, when Paul was speaking the gospel, the Bible tells us that a conviction settled into Paul's, into Felix's heart. And the Bible tells us that he grew afraid and he ordered him to stop speaking. He was a man with a great opportunity of a lifetime to listen to no other than the Apostle Paul, to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ, But when Paul's preaching got into meddling into the things of the heart, things got a little bit too close for comfort for Felix. Felix should have responded like the Philippian jailer that said, what must I do to be saved? But instead he got frightened and he told Paul, go away. And when I find time, I will summon you again. What an excuse. Each of us us need to ponder Felix's excuse. He says, when I find 
time. When I find time, then I will listen again. When I find time, then maybe I'll make an opportunity for you to continue to talk to me about this Jesus. Listen, I know that we all live busy lives. Many things crowd into our daily schedules. We all know that we should make time for God, but we are prone to think I'll do it later. When I find time... Right now, I have too much things to do. Right now, I have to wait till the semester's over. I'll find time as soon as I get over this hard season at work. I'll find time when the kids go back to school. I'll find time when I'm older. I'll find time. And that's usually our excuse. I'll make time for God. But unfortunately, what happens is that life slips by. The things of God begin to fade from our view, and we miss our opportunity, just like Felix did. Again today, I want to compare how Paul made the most of an opportunity and how Felix squandered that opportunity. My first point for you this morning is this. To find time with God, we must seize the present opportunity. Number one, to find time with God, we must seize the present opportunity. Paul seized the opportunity before him to uh, advance the kingdom of God by preaching the gospel. Here is Paul. He is a prisoner. He is innocent of all the false charges against him. He's coming before a man who had power to release him, to execute him. And Paul could have easily been tempted to argue for his release, right? He could have easily said, hey, Governor Felix, I'm a citizen and there's no crime against me, so why don't you let me go? But instead, Paul decides to seize the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Maybe he uh, wanted to probably uh, bribe the, the governor a little bit and say, hey, if you let me go, some of my supporters will give you some money, Governor Felix. But instead, Paul seized the opportunity to talk about Jesus. He took the opportunity to talk about the true gospel of Christ. This is really important because today there's so many that want to present the gospel in such a user-friendly fashion. They want to show Jesus in such a, a way that the true gospel is not being presented. And sometimes we may be tempted to present the gospel in another light so that people can come. But we must stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, may, we must talk about heaven, but we also need to talk about hell and how sin must be repented of and how we can see forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So many people don't want to talk about the true gospel. Hallelujah. They want to make it simple so that they can fill the benches of their churches. 
but we want to preach the gospel so that people can be truly saved. Because once you're really in Christ, no matter what comes your way, no matter what problem, what situation, what issue may come your way, you will stand firm because you are in Christ. If we keep preaching a watery gospel, what's going to happen is this, that when the wind blows and the storm comes, they're going to fall and fall out and they won't come back because they never knew the true gospel. You see, Paul took the opportunity not to bribe his way out of prison or not to try to get out of his circumstance. Instead, he seized the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he didn't mind that he needed to stay in prison. Paul didn't want Felix to know a user-friendly gospel. He went right for the juggler. He attacked Felix right at the juggler. The Bible says that he began to talk to them. And he began to talk about three things, and it's incredible. It says in, uh, it, he spoke about righteousness, he spoke about self-control, and he spoke about the judgment to come. <laughs> when Paul spoke about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, he went for the jugular with Felix. He knew who Felix was. He knew Felix's story. Hallelujah. He didn't make it easy for him. He said, listen, there is righteousness found in Jesus. He says, listen, there's a coming judgment, man. And if you don't repent, something bad is going to happen. And he spoke about self-control because he knew that Felix was living a really lavish life. Paul went right for it. He went directly into the heart of, um, into the, heart of the governor. And I want to let you know that when the governor, Felix, heard this story, the Bible says he became afraid. That lets me know that fear entered his heart, but I want to say that conviction entered into his heart. And this conviction and this fear entered into his heart so much that he said, Stop talking. I don't want to hear no more about this Jesus. And he gave the excuse, when I find time, I will call you back. When I find time. What a sad excuse. Here is Felix talking to no other than the Apostle Paul. He could have had any spiritual question answered. Felix could have um, asked anything he wanted. Felix could have known God for himself and accept Christ. But the Holy Spirit was doing the work of conviction of sin in his life. And consciousness fell upon him. And when he heard the words of Paul, he said, not now. You see here that there is two scenarios. Paul sees the opportunity to preach the gospel. And the second scenario is that Felix had the opportunity to receive Christ as his Savior, yet he squandered it. Every week we all face opportunities for spiritual advancement. 
Every week there's an opportunity for you to seek God deeply and more. You have an opportunity to set your alarm a little bit earlier and get up and spend time with the Lord. Or you can miss that opportunity just for the sake of sleep. There's opportunities for you to read your scripture and read books that would enhance your life. Or you can spend time memorized, mesmerized in front of the TV and pollute your mind with filth. There's opportunities for us every single day. There's opportunities for us to get our finances in order and be able to be good stewards of what the Lord has entrusted us with, or you can squander that opportunity on resources, on material things that won't make a difference. There's an opportunity for us. And today I want to tell you, church, number one, Seize the opportunity. Don't squander it like Felix did. My point number one is this. To make time for God, we must seize the present opportunity. My question is, what opportunity do you have before you today? Will you take that opportunity or will you squander it? Second point is to find time with God, we must deal with our known sin. I know that often it's difficult and painful to deal with the root of sin in our lives. Sometimes we want to ignore sin and act like it's not there. We, we expect it to go away quietly, but sin is like a cancer, and if you don't destroy it, it will kill you. Let us note again the contracts between Paul and Felix. You see, Paul was really transparent about his sinful life throughout Scripture. Paul testifies that he does his best to always maintain a blameless conscience before God and before men. Paul understood the power of repentance. Paul understood the power of coming to God every day and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. This is not a one-time prayer. This is an everyday thing. And Paul understood how important it was for him to come before the Father and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. He knew how to deal with sin in his life. If you don't deal with sin and you don't maintain a clear conscience, you won't be able to see and seize the spiritual opportunity that God puts in front of you. You become spiritually callous. You'll become dull. Your conscience will be overwhelmed with guilt and shame. And you will never find time to be with God. My, my second point is this. To find time with God, you must deal with your known sin. And Paul understood what it was to come before the Father every day. But here, again, we see Felix. Governor Felix, he did not want to deal with his sin. He didn't want to deal with what was happening in his life. Felix did not want to repent of his sin. Felix wanted to continue to live a life of luxury, accumulated with money and possessions and women. He wanted to make sure that his lifestyle will continue. And you know what, Paul? 
this message you're telling me, it messes with my lifestyle. And I'm not cool with that. I'm not willing to surrender that. I'm not willing to give that. And so again, Felix, he squandered the opportunity to ask forgiveness of his sins. My second point again is this. To find time with God, we must deal with our known sins. I know that dealing with your sin is threatening. Dealing with your person, your character is threatening. But which is more threatening, to deal with your sin now through repentance and confession and receives God's mercy or to face your sin at judgment and receive eternal punishment? If you bring your sin to the Lord now in repentance, he is rich in mercy and abounding in love. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He promised, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. It is Jesus who wants you to come forward and say, I repent. And when we come with a repentful heart, he will welcome you. To find time with God, we must seize the opportunity to deal with our known sins. Number three, to find time with God, we must establish proper priorities. Again, let's look at the difference between Paul and Felix here. Paul had established proper priorities. Like I mentioned earlier, he had the opportunity to probably speak and talk his way out of the situation. He had the opportunity to, to give him money so that he could be set free. But Paul's priorities were in order. He knew that before his freedom, before his issues, came the gospel of Jesus Christ. His priorities were set in place. He said, listen, everything that I do, I do for the kingdom and the glory of God. And he tells the Ephesians, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received in Lord from the Lord Jesus. Paul's priority was established. They were in order. He could have said something. He could have done something to get himself out of prison. As a matter of fact, during this time, Paul was talking a lot about Spain. He wanted to go to Spain. And everything was about Spain. And he was telling everybody, I got to get to Spain. I got to get to Spain. This was his opportunity to say, hey, let me just give this guy some money. Or, hey, let me talk to him a little bit. Let me get out so I can get to Spain. Because if I get to Spain, I can save more souls. But no, he understood that there was an opportunity before him. He seized the day, and he seized the opportunity. He had the right priorities. And Felix, again, we see this uh, rags-to-riches story, this slave-turned-governor, this piece of property with no rights now owning all of the property. He had the opportunity to establish the right priorities, 
And if you keep reading in the text, you'll see that he kept Paul in prison because he was waiting for a bribe. <laughs> he was waiting for money, and money never came. His priorities were all wrong. They were still focused on the material things. It was still focused on the, on the money. It was still focused on the power and the prestige. His priorities were all wrong, and this is why. If we're going to make time for God, we need to make and set our priorities straight. Putting ourselves second to the situation I had. In other words, when maybe I remember one time um, I, I was working and I was so hungry, so hungry. I work in the city of Newark. It's a very urban city and there's a lot of homelessness and there's a lot of uh, drugs and alcohol that kind of fill the city. So, you know, if I go out to lunch, it's like, okay, I got to get ready to go out to lunch. You know, I got to watch myself. I'm from New York, so I'm not afraid, so I'm okay. But one time I was going, and I, I had a short time, a short window to, to go and grab some McDonald's. Terrible, isn't it? Grab some McDonald's, eat it, and go back to work. So I'm rushing down the street, and all of a sudden I see somebody. The spirit moves in me. And I'm like, oh, but I'm hungry, God. And I only have 15 minutes, God. I'm hungry, but I, I sense the Spirit prompt me. And I had an opportunity to stop and meet the need. I have to say, I didn't. I kept walking by. And I walked by and I got my McDonald's. And on the way back, oh, the Spirit prompted me again when I saw this individual. And I said, man, but I got a meeting in three minutes. I got to make it all the way up to the 20th floor. And I walked right by. How sad it is that I missed the opportunity to minister to a soul. That's why we need to seize the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. Seize the opportunity. Seize the moment. Don't be like Giselle that walks away and, and is worried about the things of her life and material things and meetings. There was a soul that needed to be ministered to. And the only thing that gives me comfort is that I know that the Lord called someone else and that that soul was ministered to. That's the only thing, but I feel guilty. I felt conviction. I went back into my office, and they were talking, and I was nowhere in the meeting. My mind was somewhere else, and I was saying, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, because I did not seize the opportunity, because I thought that work was more important. I thought my hunger was more important. We need to set our priorities straight. So today I want to remind you, number one, seize the opportunity that come before you each and every day. Number one, to find time with God, seize the present opportunity. Don't let it pass you by. If there is an opportunity for you to speak about the gospel to somebody, say it, speak it. Seize that opportunity. Number two, to find time with God, you need to deal with your known sin. Come every day in repentance before the Lord. Hallelujah. And say, Father, we need you. Change me. Transform me. And number three, to seize the day, we must establish proper priorities. Let us remember how important it is to serve the Lord, even in the midst of 
of our daily lives. The way the world thinks is, don't trouble yourself. The way the world thinks is, God, I could see God at death's door. I have time to make a choice. But God sees it very different. He says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He says, this is the very day that God is giving you so that you can seize the spiritual opportunities. His word can be trusted and souls can be saved. Church, seize the opportunity. Carpe diem. Every day we have the opportunity to pray, to preach the gospel, to live out the gospel to all those who are around us. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward. Today is the very day that God has given you to seize the opportunity. His word has been made clear to you today. Don't squander it like Felix. His word has been made clear to to you today. Take advantage. Take advantage of that opportunity. And that opportunity is so close by, my friends. It could be that neighbor. It could be that family member. It could be that that person, that person that that serves you at the restaurant. It could be the the person that helps you with filling up your gas. Do you guys fill up your own gas here? Yo, no. Over there, we have people do that for us. Ah. Ah, one good thing. Yes. You're right, sir. (laughs) Seize the opportunity to speak to somebody. You never know who it is. The Lord is going to prompt your spirit. Don't squander the opportunity like Felix did. But seize it because God has called you. He has filled you. He is using you so that you can make a difference every day in the lives of individuals. Let us stand to our feet. This is a great season as we are in Palm Sunday. Next week is Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. It is a good opportunity. It's a good week to seize the opportunity. I wish I would be here next Sunday so I can see how many of you have seized that opportunity by inviting a friend, by inviting a family member, by inviting your neighbor, your hairdresser, your barber, whoever it is, tell them, come. Come. Give them the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though There's one thing that I love about Jesus and the gospel is this. He does all the work. All I need to say is come. All I need to do is bring the invitation and I leave the rest to God and the Holy Spirit. He is the Lord of the harvest, hallelujah. And he knows who he's drawing closer to him. But he's saying to you today, church, seize the opportunity. Thank God that things are opening up. Thank God that we can gather together. Thank God that we can come and worship. Now is the opportunity to seize the moment and say, you need Jesus in your life. Why don't you come with me to church? 
Why don't you come with me to youth group? Why don't you come with me to women's group and men's group? Maybe there's children that play in your street. Bring them to children's church. God is doing great things, but we need to seize the opportunity. Don't squander that. Don't lose it. This is not about filling seats or this is not about making our church the biggest of the town. This is about souls being saved. This is about Jesus transforming. Seize the opportunity. Right now, I know that you're thinking about one person that you can pre present this opportunity. One person. If you have a name in mind of somebody that you can share the gospel with, can, can you just raise your hand? I just want to see if, how many of you got one name in mind, one name in mind. Whether it be a family member, a neighbor, one name in mind. Amen, amen. Pastor, I'm looking at about 30 hands right here. Oh, Sunday's going to be great. <laughs> God is going to glorify himself because everybody that raised their hands now is committed. <laughs> I wish I was here next Sunday. Everybody that raised their hand now is committed to seize the opportunity this week and invite your friend, your family member, your children, whoever it is, invite them and allow the Holy Spirit to move in their life. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word that never comes void. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convict the hearts today Convict us, O oh Lord, to be disciples of who you are and that we can seize the opportunity, O oh God, to live out your gospel, to teach your gospel, to preach your gospel, to tell somebody in need that you are king. Hallelujah. This is the week, O oh God, that we celebrate your death and resurrection. And Father, what greater opportunity that we have before us than right now. Father, I pray, oh Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised, oh Lord, every name that came to mind. Father, we pray for salvation over those individuals. Father, you know who they are. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you, oh Lord, may give us the strength and the wisdom and the words that we need, oh God. The courage to have them come and hear who you are. Father, I believe in faith that this Sunday that's coming will be the greatest Sunday of AFA's church life. That this Sunday, oh God, souls are gonna be saved, oh Lord. That on Resurrection Sunday, oh God, that there'll be a revival in this church like never before. Father, we pray that you rattle the bones and that you breathe, breathe life into those that are dead. That you may call us to be light in the midst of the darkness. That you may call us, oh God, so that we can preach and live out this gospel so that others may know that there is hope, there is joy, there is love, there is mercy, and there is grace in you, Jesus. We don't want to be egotistical or prideful and keep this to ourselves. But yet we want to be like Paul and set our priorities straight and think about your kingdom first. So thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do. Thank you for what you've done. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That was powerful, wasn't it? Thank you, Pastor Giselle. Hey, and, and she mentioned something that I think was really important. You know, Felix squandered the opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've not given your life to Jesus. You can do that right now, can't you? I want you just one more time, bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna close this time in prayer. But if you need to get your life right with God, right where you are, I want you to raise your hand. We're gonna pray for you. Anybody in this place? I see your hand. Anybody else? Maybe you're watching at home online. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I give you my life today. Thank you for making me a new person. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for all your goodness, all your grace towards us. I thank you, Lord, that you'd help us to walk with that passion that we're making the most of every opportunity in the name of Jesus. Say amen with me.